Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, an honor and a privilege to be here and to just share some things with you that, Lord willing, will uh, exhort you, encourage you, maybe possibly admonish you, but in all, in all things, um, cause you to fully understand the gospel and to think seriously about your soul. So I'd like to begin in prayer first. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your son. I ask, Father in heaven, that, uh, that your name would be exalted, your son would be magnified, and by your Holy Spirit, you would move in our midst today in the hearts and minds of all of us here, Lord, that uh, eyes would be opened and ears would hear. In your name we pray, amen. This water's for me. I, I, it's not old water, is it? That's <laughs> oh, good. Bottled this morning. Um, what I'd like to talk about this morning is a little bit about my testimony. And I'd like to go on and talk about a little bit about the law, the moral law, its purpose and use in salvation. Of course, the glorious gospel and an exhortation to repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, about 23 years ago, I remember seeing a billboard, a sign. It was a small, it wasn't a big placard. It wasn't like two feet by four feet or anything. It was quite small, but on it, it said these simple words. Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers. And you know what went through my mind? And there was no phone number or anything on it. I, I just saw those, that's what it said. I said, how? How? How does Jesus save? How does Jesus heal? How does Jesus deliver? How? And that, until I was saved, I never understood that. But those words are real. God's word is real. The message is real. Many of us here can testify to that. And there's a scripture, God's word talks about, he's commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And that's a glorious thing. It, it, it is water to the dying of thirst. It is life. And it's eternal life. So I have a story. When I was oh, about 45 years ago, it's true, um, when I was in school, sitting at my desk, minding my own business, the teacher I noticed was really angry and upset at someone in the class and was admonishing them verbally quite loudly. And I thought, wow, that person's really getting ripped on. That's, I, I think that's uh, a little harsh, which some of what she was saying, but I thought, well, you know, soon it'll be over. Well, it went on for quite a while. And I thought, wow, this is, this is unusual. And I noticed that she was looking over in my general direction. I thought, boy, the poor person that's getting ripped on. I, well, it was me. <laughs> I was getting ripped on for not paying attention. And, uh, you know, it's funny how we think that something's going on and it's, it pertains to somebody else. 
And that can deal with sin, that can deal with our, our lives. We think everything may be going fine, we don't need this. I've, I was talking with somebody on the street on Friday that said that they didn't need Jesus. See, she, she didn't know that the gospel was talking about her. And the thing is, I didn't realize at that time that she was talking to me. And, and uh, it's a stunning thing when you realize it's me. It's me. That's about me. And when you read things like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, you know, you can read that and say, well, it's pertaining to somebody else, but it's me. It's us. It's all of us. We all fall short of the glory of God. The gospel is for everybody. And of course, that's good news. Now, there was a point in my life where I, I mean, I knew God existed. I remember even from a little fella. We all know that God existed. He's placed eternity in our hearts. But because of certain things that that seems to somehow get quieter and quieter over life, uh, a life, especially if you've lived a life where you've not heard the gospel or you've never been uh, encouraged to read the Bible. And that is a danger, of course. So I started thinking, how good does a person have to be to go to heaven? I mean, is it 80%, you know, 80% get your honors in school? And I remember thinking, 80%, you know, but what if I fall short? What if, what if I miss by just by walking one little old lady across the street? One, one good deed. So it really didn't make sense to me. And so I sort of just forgot about it, thinking, well, who can know? Who, who can know? And a lot of people on the street say to us, you don't know. You can't know God. And yet Jesus Christ himself says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I've asked many people on the street, you may go to church, you may have read the Bible, but do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Now, our time is running out here today, but everybody's time is running out here. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing to receive the message? Are you willing, before time runs out, to, to consider your soul? And so I remember thinking as I got a little bit older, the thought came to mind, you know, I was thinking about hell a little bit, because I'd heard about it, grew up with the, the knowledge that hell existed, heaven existed, I knew that. Even when I was a little fellow, I remember my mom, I pointed up in the sky to, to the sun, and I said, what is that? And she said, that's a great big ball of fire, which is all I needed to know. Okay, it's a great big ball of fire. And um, I knew that God had put that there. I don't know what he put it there for, but it was bright and... Uh, it was there, and of course, now we know a lot more about it. But I remember thinking about hell, and I was thinking, you know, God wouldn't send me to hell. God loves me. God, God wouldn't do that. And you try to shake, I try to shake it off. But over the weeks, that really started to bother me. What's going to happen to me when I die? Where am I going to go? And it really started to get a hold of me. And the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord began to grip me. So God was doing a work in me. I don't know who was praying for me. I know this, that I didn't want to die and go to hell. And I didn't know what to do about it. And maybe some of you have thought that your whole life. Maybe some of you don't know. Many of us do know. When we rejoiced this morning, we rejoiced in knowing the Lord. We rejoiced in understanding what he had done for us and that salvation was ours. It's a glorious thing. It's glorious. That fear of death. My wife, she told um, the story, excuse me, 
of how once, when she was saved, once she was saved, that she didn't have a fear of death anymore. The fear of death was gone. Maybe not the fear of how you're going to die. I mean, hey, <laughs> no one likes pain. No one wants to suffer. And yet that seems to be our lot in life. We suffer due to our own doing sometimes, due to, and sometimes due to what other people do, and because sin is in the world. So I wanted to get right with God. So I went to the, a church nearest to our home, and I went right up to the pastor, and I says, is this a sin, what I was doing? And he said, ooh, come on and sit down. So he, uh, he, he, I sat down with him, and I explained to him, was this thing, and I was, because I was convinced in my mind, hey, this, this one thing, this was really bad in my mind. I thought, this must be it. This, this must be the thing that would, uh, that would be my undoing. Never mind, you know, for one sin, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, right? And for one sin, a person will be cast into hell. But you have to understand why. Because God being holy and just, and we know that, he can't allow even one sin in heaven. You see, this is the part where I didn't understand earlier, how does God save, heal, and deliver, and why? Well, he saves us from hell. He heals us from a, of a broken heart, broken over our sin. Not just, it's not worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. That's what Judas had. He had worldly sorrow. I hadn't read the Bible at all. I, I knew a few verses, maybe. I'd never heard the word born again. Never heard the word regeneration. There were some words that were so foreign to me in their understanding. Just like people on the street, just like maybe some of you here. You have no idea what that means. But in Ezekiel, it says, 36, 25 to 27, it says, And I will sprinkle you with clean water, and you shall be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's what it is to be born again. God puts his Holy Spirit within you, causing you to walk in righteousness. You apprehend the things of God. The world opens up in a way you could never ever, ever think that that was possible, that the very God of heaven would take up residence within you and cause you to walk in a, in a way that, that is foreign to you. That's, that's, that's a, it, it's miraculous. It is a miracle. It truly is. And everyone that's had their lives changed by Jesus Christ knows this. Not maybe in the same way, of course. I've heard many, many, many conversion stories. But the one thing, the, the one common thing, of course, is they called on the name of the Lord, and they were saved. So this pastor, after I said to him what I thought was obviously the, the unpardonable sin, which it wasn't because I didn't even know about the unpardonable sin, uh, he gave me a gospel tract. Now, I love gospel tracts. I love good gospel tracts. I love a good gospel tract that talks about who God is, who we are, the problem of sin, the remedy for sin, and how to get, how to get right with God. So I went home and I read this gospel tract. This was not that good a gospel tract, to be honest with you. I, I've, I've read a lot better ones. John's got some, John Wells has got some wonderful gospel tracts, you know, and um, some people call me a bit of a tract snob, and I was all, really? I, I guess I am. 
And, but you know what? It's a good thing because you want to give people the message. Not that God can't use, I, I mean, there's thousands, hundreds, millions of gospel tracts out there. But I know, I know that when I, I give somebody a good gospel tract, they have a wonderful opportunity there. So I went home and I prayed a prayer. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. I called it a prayer of desperation. I called it just crying out, throw me a lifesaver, throw me something, Lord. What am, I don't want to die. I don't want to die and go to hell. So I went to bed that night. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. I, not that I was aware of. I went to sleep as usual. I woke up in the morning and went to work. I worked for the city of Edmonton at that time on a forestry crew. Now, a lot of people within the environment that I was in, profanity is a way of life. It, it's every second word. It's all the time. And I was no different. That was just job culture to me. That was just every man doing his own thing. And it was, it was very profane. I didn't think that that was a sin. But something different had happened to me now. I realized that I didn't, sin, I didn't swear anymore. I didn't. It was gone. And I was very, very, very confused because I thought, well, what has happened to me? But inside, the Holy Spirit did a work in me. And I never heard an audible voice, but I knew in my heart that the Lord was saying to me, do you realize you don't swear anymore? And, and I was amazed. I'd never heard the word born again, regeneration. I didn't know what that meant, but I was, in fact, as I read the Bible, and got to understand more and more about it, that I had indeed been born again. I was changed. And many different things started to happen. One time I was working on our house, the ladder slipped and I broke a bunch of siding, and I didn't freak out. I didn't lose my mind. I didn't go off and swear and just have a, 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 a total fit. The Lord had just brought me to a place where he, he, he was overriding all of that old nature, which we all have. It fights against our new nature. Back and forth, right? Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Excuse me. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here I was, a brand new creation in Christ. And things were different. Things were changed. My sins were forgiven. The Spirit bore witness with me that my sins were forgiven. And there's nothing sweeter in the world than knowing your sins are forgiven. You know the paralytic, remember when Jesus said to him, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Man's greatest need wasn't to have his paralysis fixed. People's greatest need isn't to have their financial situations fixed. People on the street, even though I've seen many of them addicted to drugs and alcohol, pornography, Terrible things that they've fallen into and they're trapped, they're in bondage to it. Just like the song talked about, the chains. That's what Jesus does, right? He who commits sin is a slave of sin. And you're a slave to sin if you're in your sin, if you're not born again. You can try all you want. You can even come to the point of overriding some of that. But you'll never have a change of nature. It's just reformation. It's not regeneration. I don't know if some of you remember maybe some of the older ones. There used to be a cartoon called Family Circus. Did you ever hear about it? I used to read it and I'd think, oh, what a goody two-shoes thing. I just, this is just so, you know, sugar-coated. I hated it. <laughs> then when I was born again, I read that and I go, 
this is good stuff. <laughs> now, the change is in each and every one of us, when you pass from darkness to light, from death to life, no wonder the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. The gravity is that we, we were on, on the road to hell. We were lost in our sin. We were dead. It's a rescue mission. I've said this before too. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And a lot of people, I've had people challenge me on the street and say, oh yeah, he came, you know, to, and I said, to save you from what? And one guy said to me, from ourselves. I said, no, no. That's a byproduct, really. Really, to save us from hell, from his judgment, from his wrath, from his condemnation. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So no more did the wrath of God abide on me. All of a sudden, I was considered his child, and he was my father. I was not a guilty criminal. I was now forgiven. He was no longer my judge. He was my father in heaven. And that's what I want for each and every single person that I meet. That's always forefront in my mind and in the mind of all Christians. But what a lot of us lack sometimes, I think, is how do we get about, how do we get about that job, that great commission? And that can be a very, the fear of man, you know, it's, 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 we don't know what's gonna happen. I talked to a biker one time years back when I first started out on the street. Big biker, big bike, big hands, big fists, big rings on it with the whole, you know, skulls and everything on it. And I thought, oh yeah, this guy's an ax murderer for sure. For sure. I'm absolutely convinced. I'm, you know, I'm gonna give him a tract. I guess it's my last tract. So, but you know, he was a gentle soul. He, he was kind, he read it, his name was Big Red. Pray for Big Red. I don't know what happened to Big Red. I hope to see him in heaven. That's the motive, right? We want to see our, our, our fellow human beings in heaven. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We want to implore them on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, there's a story about a person that went throughout the kingdom with pies and he'd knock on the doors, and he'd hand the people a pie, because he loved the king so much. And he said, here's a pie, it's from the king. It wasn't from him, he wasn't doing it for his own, it was from the king, this is from the king. And you know, when we reach out to the lost in love, it's from the king, we represent him. But there's a lot of fear, and I know that fear. The hardest thing for me to do is to hand out one, the first try, I like to get it out of the way in the morning, get it out of the way, and then the rest of them, they just, it's just easy but it's always the first one, it seems. And a lot of people, too, have that same experience. I know John, has, we've talked about things like that. So, uh, to go back to the moral law, the Ten Commandments. Now, I think it's so integral because by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law is a wonderful thing. I used to look at those Ten Commandments, I go, man, there's something about those. I don't get it. There's something I'm missing. Because the law shows us what we're really like. And maybe some of you have heard that. The law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ in Galatians. And it truly is. It shows us just how sinfully wicked we are in our hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know when Jesus said, one of you will betray me? I think 
Everyone that's a believer would be in that room going, is it me? Is it me? Because we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust the flesh. There's no one in hell today cheering for the sin that got them there. But there are definitely the people in hell today. And there will be people in hell tomorrow. And a lot of people say that they're on their way to hell. And I say to them, you, you don't have to be. There is a way. And that's what the glorious gospel is all about. Now, I don't have a PowerPoint, but I do have a PowerPoint. And that point was when the power of the gospel changed me. And that's a glorious thing. And there's nothing more wonderful than when you see a new person in Christ. We ha I had a neighbor. I went to talk to him. I was concerned for his soul. Went up to the door. I thought, whew, this could, this could be rough. And I knocked on the door, and he, the man, didn't want it. But be beside him and slightly behind him was his wife. Her name is Heather. And I gave him the tract. And I said, Jim, you really need this. I know you don't want to read it, but would you at least look at it? Would you take it? And he took it. Now, Jim hadn't changed since we left Edmonton. I hadn't heard what happened to him. But his wife was saved. And what a thrilling thing to see this person who was far away from the Lord, alive, new, eager, didn't know all the doctrines of, of salvation or anything like that, but she knew her sins were forgiven. She knew that she had eternal life and she could never lose it because he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. I love verses in the Bible that, that give us the comfort that we need. If you've been beaten down by the world, if you've been beaten down by your own sin, maybe your family, maybe another church, who knows, all these things. There's forgiveness, there's healing through the cross. I've seen it. I'm, I'm just as many of you are, we, we've been forgiven. He's healed us in a way that we could never imagine. I've seen people broken on the street, but they have Jesus. They know they have Jesus. They know their sins are forgiven. And all the terrible things that, and people have gone through a lot of things. You talk to a lot of people. I think John alluded to it. Uh, there was one fellow in, in, we met on the street a couple of weekends ago. He, he was uh, in a terrible state and he threw himself off a five-story building. But he lived. He lived. But he's a mess internally and he doesn't know the Lord and he doesn't know where he's going. And I know that I was a divine appointment because if he had died, and just like if I knew once I was saved, because you, your brain starts to click a little differently. You, you start to put two and two together in a way with the Lord's help. That if I died, or if anyone dies, anyone in here dies without their sins forgiven, there's only judgment. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. But contrary to popular belief, time is running out. We're going to die one day. One day you're going to die. We're all going to die. A hundred years from now, not one of us in this room is going to be here. I'll say 125, just to be sure. <laughs> so, 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to save those who have ever lied, those who have ever stolen anything, those who have had sex outside of marriage, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, used his name in vain, abusers of the name of Jesus Christ, which is so common. And I know for every one of us as a Christian, it's like a kick in the gut. The best news for guilty sinners is that there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. They're just like the leper that came running towards Jesus. The leper came running towards Jesus and he knelt down in front of him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can cleanse me. And what did Jesus say? I am willing. Be cleansed. See, the leper, he knew he had a disease. He knew it. He had leprosy. And that's what the law does. I want to go back to that. The law shows us that we're sinful. We're not going to make it on our own. You can't make it on your own. I've talked to so many people, I'm trying, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. You know, you quit striving. I don't have to try not to swear. I don't have to try to not do this or that. The Lord, when you submit to him, when you're obedient to him, reading his word, fellowshipping with other believers, spending time in his word, praying, all these things, all the things that Jesus did begin to happen in us. You know, a silversmith, when he's refining silver, he scoops off, when it's molten, he scoops, he skims off the dross. You ever heard that before? And he keeps skimming it off until he can see his reflection in it. And that's what God does to a sinner. That's what he does when they're turned into a saint. And he refines them. And he removes those things. The old is passing away. Behold, all things have become new. The old has passed away. But the old nature is still there. But we are being more and more and more conformed, transformed into the image of his son. And it's a, it's a, it's a marvelous thing. It's, it's, there's, there's nothing like it. We are tasting here, those who have had their sins forgiven, those who are born again, the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives, changing us, causing to, us to have a concern for the lost, praying, believing in prayer. A lot of people pray. They, they're just throwing it out there. They're just hoping something happens. I'm talking about those that don't believe. But sadly, tragically, their prayers aren't being heard. They're not. But when a person is saved, just like, just like God the Father said to Jesus, this is my beloved son, hear him, because he was perfect without sin. That's another thing the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. When I was saved, I remember meeting a fellow, thought he was a believer, talked to me about all kinds of things. I thought, this is going great. I'm meeting all kinds of new people. And then he said something to me. He says, but just don't say that Jesus is the Son of God. I go, that was weird. See ya, you know. And then I went home and read my Bible, and I find out, in fact, that Jesus is God. And that's massive. The magnitude of God himself coming down to earth, dying on a cross, shedding his blood, raising himself from the dead, then sending his Holy Spirit to inhabit people. Zealous for good works. Zealous to see Jesus magnified. Zealous to see their loved ones and people they don't even know saved. Somebody gave me a gospel tract. Someone gave me a gospel tract. And God did the rest. Don't ever underestimate the value and the, the power of God's word. And I know as Christians, many of us have been around for a long time. But when you see someone come to Christ and you see them new, 
That's the hope I have every time I give. I get so much joy handing out a gospel track. So much joy because I know what can happen to them because it, it happened to me. And if you're not saved, it can happen to you. And it will happen to you. You humble yourself before God. The word of God says, a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. He won't despise you. He sent his son to die for you. He was despised. He was rejected. He was treated like we should be treated. He died the death that we deserve. If God were to judge each and every one of us by the sins we've committed, we'd only get the death, we'd not only get the death penalty right now, but we'd be sent to hell forever. Now, I knew the first time when I was little when I sinned, I knew I had sinned. I didn't know how to get rid of the sin. I had no idea. But God was very patient with me for a long time, and I was saved. And I committed many, many, many sins. And that's why when you look at the Word of God, when you realize that every lie, every lustful thought, every time you used His name in vain, every time you dishonored your parents, every time you didn't love God all wholeheartedly like we should, every time that we wanted something jealously, someone else's stuff, not content with what God has given us, every time we neglected God in our thoughts and our minds, and yet Jesus kept the law perfectly. That's the triumph. I mean, the more, and, and we're all on a journey. We are. We're all on a journey. But there's two destinations. Those that are headed for heaven are enjoying a life here knowing that we're going to be in forever in heaven. But there's many people that don't know the Savior. Maybe some of you in here. And, and the journey's end is not good. But it can be. It can be wonderful. It can be beautiful. It can be the most wonderful thing that ever happens to you. And that's why, as Christians, we, we want to see the lost saved because that was us. That was us. And that's what God does for us. Why would I, we even care about the lost without him? We, we don't even think about hell, maybe heaven sometimes, and wanting to be there, what it's going to be like. But when God saves you, it, it, the normal thing, a norm, people say, oh, that's very unusual what you're doing. It's, it's a normal thing for all Christians to do, is to be concerned for the lost. And what that looks like, what that looks like for each and every one of us is, is how God works in our lives. I want to share another story with you. There were a couple of elderly ladies that were crossing the border into the States from Mexico, and they noticed that there was a small animal on the side of the road. And it looked like it had probably been hit by a car, but it was definitely suffering. And so they took it home, and it was later at night, so they couldn't get to a vet. So the one lady put it in a little, kind of a box with a blanket in it beside her bed, and she heard the creature moaning throughout the night. And every now and then, she would reach over, and she'd comfort it and pat its little head. In the morning, they got up, and they took it to the veterinarian. And to their horror, they were told that it was actually a Mexican water rat, and it was infested with rabies. And she'd been patting it all night. See, sin isn't a puppy to be played with. Just like the daughter of Herodias wanted John's head on a platter, sin wants your head on a platter. It doesn't want up to half your kingdom. It doesn't want just a little bit of you. Your sin will take you to hell. 
I hope I'm not being too harsh. I truly want to get to the point of this whole thing, which is that if you knew that people were on a path and they were going towards a cliff and below the cliff there were jagged rocks, if we cared for them, we would tell them. The bridge is out. The ship is sinking. The snake of sin is coiled around them and they're going to be consumed. But praise be to Jesus, our God and Savior, who has abolished death. I love that. He's abolished it. He's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Time is running out. Are you willing? Your name is written on your birth certificate. Your name will be written on your death certificate. But your name can be written in heaven. Jesus said, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus, who came to earth to save, to save us, Lord, to give us everlasting life because you desire that none should perish and so thank you, Father in heaven. Thank you. Thank you that if we repent and trust in your Son, that there's everlasting life. If we call upon the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. In your name we pray, amen.